That's so bizarre. Oh I'm almost done. Okay, well, can you almost done? Or wait, like just you just turn. You were leaning into it now. It's like ASMR. What's your fucking problem? People love that. They love hearing people eat. Also, I want people that make bowl, millions dollars about that it. bowl and spoon back too. Because every time I gave you something in mm. a bowl and spoon, you end up, you know, I, somehow it's missing now. Well, that was a set of of seven, by the way, and those are the last two I have. The ones that you guys have. Well, I only need two more to complete my set. <laughs> So you are stealing my bowls. No, no, I just grabbed them all. Please get them out of the YouTube. Actually, no, you know what? Keep them. Because I don't want to know what the fuck you use bowls for. So. Are they in your car, Teddy? I'm thinking like castaway situation. I don't got a car. Thanks for rubbing in, Donna. Donna, look at me. I'm Donna. I got a car. I, I go to gas stations and, and I do other things other than and, and harass the, the attendants. Because I can, I can pump up a camera. That's what you do. Mm. She can go to gas stations because she has a car. You just go to gas stations to harass the attendants. It's because I don't, I don't I, because I'm not able to do more things there. What are you doing? Once I have a car, I can spend my time filling up my car. How is that the gas station attendant's fault? Because I, when I'm at a gas station, it's like you have to get ready. You have to prepare. You have to, you have to make sure you're wearing uh, pants that don't got holes in them. You got to make sure That's not that, you, that, you, that, you, that, you look, wow. that you look cleaner. What are you talking about? To be a gas station attendant? No, to go to a gas station. That's not true at all. There's no the, fucking the bouncer dress will, code. You the bouncer like, will turn you away. I've been kicked out of gas stations. They wouldn't let me come to the front door. One was a really mean old Donna, lady. I should explain to you that Teddy says stories like this a lot where he's definitely leaving a lot. She had varicose story. veins. Yeah. I said, I'm like, going to kick you thing where He's veins. probably barefoot, covered in actual shit. <sighs> the bouncer was just some guy walking out of Speedway who was like, yo, bro, you can't be doing that shit here. <laughs> no. He's just like, oh, I can't come in here. He, can't, he said, I can't come in. I said, what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna get what I need to get. Why? Okay, yeah. I was. Well, it was about to be Thanksgiving. I had to make a charcuterie board, so I needed to get some slim jeans. Charcuterie. And I needed to get some different takis and things like that. And different. Oh my god! Did I tell you I had an idea? Uh, Shark Tank too. Uh, it, for a little, uh, it's, it's it's a charcuterie board, but it's like a mini one, kind of uh, like a lunchable. Uh, and I'm gonna call them charcuteries. Charcuteries. That's fun. Who's in sharks? Sharks. Is it made of shark meat? No, that's Shark Tank. <clears throat> All right. Well, hey. So, moving on with John. John Ramsey here. John Ramsey. Donna, stop eating. I'm Teddy Ronald Reagan. This Mac here. And I'm Bobby Pavlovsky. And this is... John, John Benet Benet Today. Now back to John Ramsey's episode, part two. Uh, in the uh, you know really long time that I've spent going through a bunch of John Ramsey footage here, yeah. uh, it, there's been a lot of stuff that's come up that's pretty similar. So I, I, I want to bring up the fact that there is an interview that I found very interesting because all the reports I've seen says they have a PR firm, in yeah. which uh, John Ramsey says that they don't have a PR firm. Donna, can you go ahead and uh, if you're done eating your soup, thank you. Hey, focus, Donna. Shut up. We're not hiding behind anyone. And let me say one more time, we said this the last time the governor accused us of hiding behind our attorneys and PR firm. We have no PR firm. There were no attorneys present at the Barbara Walters interview or the Katie Couric interview. There are no attorneys present here today. So and they went in the room. There were no there were, there was there was no PR people or attorneys in the room. Well, they said they don't have a PR firm. 
They don't PR firm. It's like they're also very selective with their words. But it's like, yeah, well, maybe your, you know, well, yeah. attorneys have a PR firm. Yeah, you know, so maybe so. they offer PR services for that kind of money. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about Gisley and Maxwell level attorney. We're talking about Lim Wood. Mm-hmm. You know, they got people or they know people where they're like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, spin this. Uh, you know, put out do this. Right. But so John claims they don't have a PR firm. So I've got um, uh, I've got two interviews here in which John's saying the same thing. The first interview is one of my favorites because this one is 18 years apart. And so for them to not have a PR firm, it's just a very interesting uh, thing. Go, go ahead. Thank you. We're told by uh, John Douglas, who's a was the fellow that started the FBI profiling uh, lab. Also got to know a fellow by the name of John Douglas, who started the whole FBI profiling program. A very brilliant man. That he spent a lot of time looking at it, and uh, his best assessment was that it was someone that was uh, either angry at me or jealous of me. And he said, "It's this is not about your daughter. This is about you. Somebody was either angry, very angry at you, or very jealous of you. And this was done to hurt you. And uh, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow because I can't imagine anyone being angry with me or certainly that angry. And I was like, oh, man, I, I, that's a hard pill to swallow, number one. And number two, I, I've never made anybody that mad that I know of. I can't imagine that. I've been told that person was either very angry at me or was very jealous of me personally. And that's a heavy burden for me to carry. Um, but I respect his, uh, his judgment, so... Uh, I think he's right, I'm afraid to say, but... We have no PR firm. Up until that point, up until this happened in my life, my hope was based on uh, probably shallower things. But it's a different kind of hope than I had. I, I, frankly, my hope was probably pretty shallow uh, before it, it, it all this happened. A bigger house, a nicer job, a nicer car, you know, those material things. But my hope was based on a, a better job and a, a bigger house and a nicer car and those things that we typically, you know, look for and hope for. Well, when that's taken away, and certainly when your ch- child is taken away, uh, you're never going to get that back in your life. Mm-hmm. So how do you then have hope? And, and of course, all that probably isn't in the picture anymore. So what, what do you base hope on? We have no PR firm. That superficial stooge. That was weird. <laughs> those were so, thing. those clips were over decades. Well, the last, the last batch, you're talking about the hope thing. That yeah. was on the same little book, Pressator. Uh, uh, but that first batch, that's 18 years apart. 18 years apart. And, and yeah, he's saying the exact same the exact thing same by rote, by like like it's memorized, like it's something that was scripted for him by same story. That's what I'm talking talking about. Bing, 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 bing. She's hit the pony bing, on bing. the head with the nail right. and the hammer. <laughs> exactly. Like a PR firm. Like a PR firm. It's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, boom, 18 years later, it's a hard pill to swallow. Like, it, same shit. Like. It's a jagged little pill, you know? And that's where we really have to think critically. And he may say that they have no PR firm. But how 
do you think you get these little press events anyway? And who do you think manages them? And why are you saying literally the same thing? And yet you're making it sound like it's coming to you contemporaneously, spontaneously. Right. You're good at that. You're good at that. It's like acting. It's like being in a theater and you play the same scripts eight times a week. And each time you make it sound authentic for 18 years, this guy's been saying the same thing because it's what he wants to be it to be said. And he wants to wind down the clock and not talk about other things. Mm-hmm. And as a result, like it's not, it's not genuine. It's just right? performative. It's performative. And uh, Paula, Paula Woodward, uh, whatever, whatever fucking name is. Yeah. She had asked them uh, in her interview with them in 2000 whether or not you know that they would they refused interviews with like Tom Brokaw, Dan Rather, and stuff. And they were saying, you know, you're not going after hard hitting enough journalists. Mm. Like you sat down with like Katie Couric and Barbara Walters. Katie Couric, yeah. And this was their response to that. We specifically decided to go with Barbara Walters and Katie Couric because they are tops in their field and they're tough. And we didn't want to be criticized for not being challenged. Mm. So is it because they're women? Well, that's a good point, Donna. Well, and you said that, not us. So, oh, so it's interesting. Okay. So it's okay. Yeah. So it's okay. So yeah, it probably was because they're women. Mm. Uh, you know, it makes it more gentle. Like right. when it's a guy talking, saying it makes it almost sound like he is the Damn the jury or or the judge. I'm Tom Brokaw. But if it's a woman, it's almost more of like a, hmm, you know. He's not as intimidated. Mm-hmm. And Barbara will be more sympathetic to a child. They know that with like a female would be more more, more women. More yeah. women will probably watch too. John knows that men are very detached because mm-hmm. he's very detached. Mm-hmm. So and it's also about the type of women. They didn't have Diane Sawyer interview them, right? And they're doing this no restrictions. So it's like I'll do no restrictions. Katie Couric, uh-huh. uh, Tom Brokaw. We're probably gonna pass, but if uh-huh. we did, we'd be severely. Restricted. No Peter Jennings. Remember Peter we Jennings? We have our own camera guy and editor. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. So you know they mm. uh, they were very much in control of the the narrative mm. of things as much as they tried to make it seem like. Yeah, and I feel like I've heard somewhere where they had PR people. You know, they had like eight lawyers and two PR people. Something. Yeah, yeah. And, but it wouldn't be the first thing where we hear contradictions, clearly, because oh, obviously there are times where we hear one story and then we hear another because for some reason they don't want to talk about the first story or something like exactly. that. Exactly. They're always changing. So, yeah, I just thought that was really fucking interesting. Yeah, I agree. And that was a really well done clip package. Does not go in the uh, John Good column. Like a movie. And now we're going to move on to, uh, we're going to move on to, you know, we, we moved up a little bit in the timeline here and Beth, you know, passes away in that car accident. So Beth was, starts to get religious. Yeah, Beth, Beth was, Beth was, Beth was the big sister of John Andrew Ramsey. Yes. Well, uh, I think they're around the same age, honestly. They're around the same age. Yeah. So, mm. but yeah, that was, that uh, was John Andrew Ramsey's, uh, sister. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, also a side note too, by the way, we were looking through his, his profile Yeah. and, uh, on Reddit. Because he's posted some stuff on that. Uh, can you can you pull that up, Donna? That little image right there in the back. Yeah, yeah that one. Perfect. All right. So this is a little Reddit exchange that um, John Andrew decided to create. <coughs> uh, what is that? What's that Reddit username? Jennifer Rami? Jennifer Rami. All right. So this is three years ago. Can you read that first uh, first post? From what I've read, John was in a golf group with some buddies in Atlanta that nicknamed themselves the fat cat so my thought it was someone 
who tired of hearing about his fat cat group and other aspects of John's life. Although it could just be a coincidence, it was in the note as well as being his Atlanta golf group name. Oh. Right. So, yeah, she's basically saying that, like, you know, she's read that John was supposedly in a golf group in Atlanta called the Fat Cat. The okay. Fat Cat. Interesting. And so then at, right after that post, yeah. uh, you know, John Andrew Ramsey jumps in and he goes, bullshit. Ah! Got three upvotes on it, but John Andrew Ramsey said bullshit. So then Jennifer Rami goes on to say, "What, what does she say there, Forrest Donna?" What part of my comment or post do you disagree with, or do you think I got it wrong? That John was in a golf group called Fat Cats. I thought I read that somewhere. I'm supposed to be mistaken. And then yeah, and then you know what? And then and then they go on and add an edit and they go, "Wait, no, this is the interview that shows that John was in a group." Called the fat cat. It was an interview. It was like a newspaper clip or something from back when he lived in Atlanta. It's a transcript of an interview with John where it's like he even talks about it. So it's a thing of though that John Andrew. An old interview. It's it's you know they got this whole PR firm thing Mm -hmm. where they they're manipulating all this stuff and then even it boils down to even their own son. If John yeah. Andrew didn't even, you know, know. He's just not uh-huh. even that aware of his father. It's that Ben Shapiro type of thing where he just, like, he thinks he can just step right in and be like, bullshit. Like, he's got, like, it's a fallacy of authority. Well, because he doesn't want to believe it. But he's not providing any supporting evidence for his claim or any evidence that, and he you know, pr- disproves the other thing. He doesn't respond. And he doesn't respond to a comment. And yeah. she posted a source and, like, she cited it. For well. some reason, these people wow. seem to think, because this is about me, I am more like I am more honest, or I know more, or I am the truth than anything that you minds can I think it come speaks, up with. I think it speaks more to the Ramsey family dynamic. Uh, I don't think they're a family that talk very much. Yeah, I think they're. I close. think it's a thing where you know they blindly just believe whatever the told, and the one time they discuss it and they never bring it up again. Mm. The whole theory where it's like, no, we didn't do this. So. I think that's the whole thing of what it is with John. It's just it shows how out of the loop John is. Oh. To want to go on a public forum like Reddit yeah. on your account where you've said it's you, and then say a comment mm. under there. You wouldn't do that without the confidence of somebody who you know yeah. firmly believed that when they said it. And I'm yeah, sure he didn't even read or comment or whatever, but. It's a. I just found it very interesting. He's like, my dad never told me about the no fat cats thing, and blah 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 so blah. And it touches a sore spot, and because of that he just says bullshit. When really, it's like that could be the case of like, well, what if we know more because of the internet? Exactly. We're able and to him. connect pieces. And we know more His dad him. never brought up the fat cats golf group. You know, for someone who's so driven by the truth, why are you so offended by it? Mm-hmm. And so that is interesting. They did have a fat cats golf group, and that it was in the note. But I don't. I, oh, fat cats was also a very common term for. Is it fat cats? I think so. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. Not fat cat. Fat fat cat. I know Donna. Do you remember that term, fat cats? No. Is it Garfield? That's yeah. why I'm thinking I got no, him. He ate lasagna. Yeah. Lasagna. Yeah. Oh my god. I want lasagna. I already gave you lasagna earlier. Oh yeah, I forgot that was good. And lasagna. soup now. Yeah. I want them mixed together. There's Teddy's just <sighs> running through my leftovers over here. Well, I mean I mean that's why the leftovers are for me. That's not <laughs> left Teddy. No, what is it? Those are good one. Teddy overs? We call them Teddy overs, Teddy Unders. Um we call him um. Teddy Eddie. Like, oh, you know, that reminds me of my buddy Eddie. I'm supposed to give him some. Um, you gotta so give me more soup later, but give me give you, me some for I'm my sorry, did you for my buddy Eddie. Yeti? Eddie. Oh, I thought you said yeah. for my Yeti. No, not for my Yeti. <laughs> no, that don't make no sense. No, this is for one of my friends under the bridge. No. Yeah. I'm not giving you soup. He's one of my bookies. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Your bookie is a homeless man who lives under a bridge. Well, that's what do you think the cockfight? What do you are? barter? With fight? No, it's there's a lot of different things. Sometimes it's soap. Sometimes did it's you say lasagna? 
Sometimes cock fights. Sometimes uh, frog you fights. Have, you have a chicken? Well, no, nah, I don't got chicken. No, I I just bet on the chickens. <laughs> With what? Well, it just depends on what I got and what they what they accept. You know, it's a very fluid kind of market. They take soup. They take soap. They take soap. They take lots of things. They, they, they take beans because I think you got a stash you could probably get rid of. How do you think I got all those beans? I won them. That doesn't sound like a good thing. Well, 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 well you know Your how much beans cost these days? declining rapidly. Hey, the beans don't got nothing to do with anything. I don't care how red my vision gets. I, I, those beans have been there for me like no one else. Can we, can we talk about something else? Yeah, yeah let's I go just, back to it. So now, we're, now we're gonna move up a little bit in the timeline. You know, John, uh, mm-hmm. his, his daughter's died, and now we're on the day of. Uh, I'm sorry, Bobby. Donna, can you stop with that fucking clicking? <laughs> You sound like a fucking just robot prepped. chicken over there. She's just getting prepped. Getting prepped. Yeah, because you know what's going to happen is that if something's not ready, you're going to fucking yell at it like you just did. And well, she sounds like she's kind of damned if she does, damned if she does. No, knows. no. Maybe if she just waited to click some other time, she'll start trying to prep before or later. No. But not right then when I'm trying to listen to nah, you. I'm, I'm hearing all these clicks in one ear. It's, it's, it's throwing me off. It's making me, because it almost all sounds right. like the Manchurian all candidate right, code sorry. that I was given when I was in the woods. And, sorry. And your, name Cam- is, your name is Robert Crenshaw. What is it? Up oh, in That movie so good, honestly. It was so I good. hated it when I first saw it back when I was a kid, and then like when I saw it later, the Denzel one. That movie's actually fucking good. Meryl Streep, Liv Schreiber, Denzel, Meryl Streep when Jeffrey she, Wright. When she bled in her sheets, and then she woke up and she sniffed them. Lev Schreiber's like a little like, fucking. Uh, he's like a politician, but he's like literally like mind control. Yeah, he was real good. Oh, it's like Lieutenant Robert Shaw, and yeah. then it's like he stops in his tracks. There's like a scene in the movie where you find out his mom, Meryl Streep's uh, Liv Schreiber's mom, and she's yeah. like. She, like he's like starting to walk out of the room and he's like, Mother, I'm done with you. And she's like, No, you're not. And he's like walking out of the room. And she goes, Lieutenant Robert Shaw. And you just see him like straighten up oh. and like go like dead eyes. And she goes, Lieutenant Robert Howard Shaw. And like that's his like code name to like that's that do turns him, turns him into an assassin. And Denzel just you know, plays like this like magic su- super super yeah, soldier. Denzel just plays this like sweaty fat guy oh. that's mm. trying to solve the mystery. Chinese Dunkin' Donuts. It was a Frank Sinatra movie. Frank Sinatra movie, Angela Lansbury was in it. She played uh, Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast. Was she, was she in the Manchurian Candy? Why isn't there Angela Lansbury like silverware or fine china? What the fuck? Like, I would totally. Why is there. There's nobody fine china. Angela Lansbury, she was a storied American celebrated. Uh, and you, and think the, you think the highest honor that we can give her is putting her on fucking silverware? I would have bought like little spoons. I would have bought. What? Like, I would have bought. Like, what are you talking Little figurines, with? like like precious mint moments. Yeah, I mean, they maybe have like, like a teapot. Angela Lansbury maybe like a teapot. Ice. That's it. I'll give maybe you a teapot. teapot. Maybe a teapot. Maybe a teapot. Maybe, maybe steaks. You know, Angela Lansbury steaks. Angela Lansbury steaks. There's like Salisbury steaks. I mean, they probably they got Lansbury. a little bit of a seafood platina. <laughs> she can rebrand. She can rebrand Salisbury steaks. Make them cool again. They're the only. They're Salisbury steaks that have a glaze of 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 ocean. So it's like a seafood meat product. You know what I mean? You know, it's I, like if a if a if a cow drowned in salt water. Like and then, uh, yeah, I, I yeah. went to Bob Evans with my buddy. Uh, my buddy Starf. Tommy. It's put them Start. together. I went to Bob Evans with my buddy Tony, and he uh-huh. ordered a chopstick, and no shit. This is 100% true. He was disappointed when he got it that it was He thought it was literally like a steak that they were going to cut they up. They were going to chop up. Like little squares. Mm. That's hilarious. Oh, my, oh my God. God. That's like something Donna would do. Okay, you. you guys have not. You haven't, eat, okay. you haven't seen it. Well, actually, no, you have seen I her eat we now. I mean, you saw how she ate soup. She ate like a buffalo. That like. was you. I didn't mean to say that no like that. No heard me eating. No, you, oh, yeah, I heard you. Mm. Okay, what the, the fuck were we just you. talking about? That was we were talking about Angela Lansbury. No, before that, the stuff that I was... We were talking about Manchurian Candidate. No, before that. Before that, we were talking about... 
Um, oh, the day of. Yeah, the here we day go. of. So uh, we're, uh, here's an interesting little tidbit that, yeah. uh, and this is in a deposition from 2001, in which John's being questioned uh, by a, an attorney of a reporter. We'll go. We'll go into that a little bit in a second, but. Here's a, a snippet of him talking about Christmas morning and that why it wasn't taped. We talked about this in the uh, John Andrew Randall. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and play that for us, Don. John Bonet wanted me to take movies, but my battery was dead. Battery was dead. That's the only reasoning he gives in that um, in that interview. Mm. In the book, though, you know, he also does mention the battery's dead thing, but in the next sentence mentions that since his daughter's death of Beth, he's wanted to stay more in the moments. Oh. Film them. So he doesn't necessarily say if the battery thing is true, except for right what there. I he guess. didn't say it there. That's but so. Well, yeah. Again, we've also supposed that maybe this whole Christmas videotape's gone missing because John Andrew Ramsey's in it. Maybe. And there's also a weird like moment in I think a deposition of Patsy's at some point where she like was shown the photo uh, and a photo exhibit and she gasped. And it's like, what do you mean? There's like a there's like a moment when she was being interviewed. I read this on Reddit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it a bit of Christmas morning. I th- I think it ended, it was a photo of Christmas morning. That would make sense though, because I, I was don't just remember browsing that. through the book this morning to get uh, ready for this episode. Mm-hmm. And in that thing, he says, "Oh, my battery's not not charged, but uh, here you can take the use this to take some pictures." Oh. And I was like, "Oh, we always knew the last picture ever taken was yeah. the night before." So I guess there might be some unreleased Christmas pictures that yeah. the police have that we don't have that maybe the grand jury saw. Mm-hmm. That was I think that's the thing you've brought up before with Patsy's role of film or whatever. I think maybe. But you know, yeah, no, so that's interesting though. Uh, yeah. That's I'm the Patsy correspondent. Into. So she probably gasped at seeing her the first time of seeing her daughter on Christmas morning. Oh, possibly, you know. But yeah. I would like to see the rest of the pictures cuz I wonder if it's mm-hmm. like, you know, is there any sign that John and Ramsey's possibly there? How many mm-hmm. pictures are there? If they, if if he's not there, then show the photos. Well, I mean, it's the police have him, so if they thought he was there, they would say it. But well, it's just about the number of photos, and obviously it's not substantial that included him. Maybe the police can take another look at the photos after they listen to our podcast, our investigation. Right. And ask so, themselves, do they see any photos of anybody in that house during Christmas? Right. So in that same deposition, though, they go on to continue to question him. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, is, uh, this is an interesting part I found. That's, this is uh, him describing activities from when they left the Fleet White's house. This is the night of... Christmas. Uh, Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. When they left their house because they went there for a party uh, in the evening. Yeah. And what what happened? Go ahead. Uh, We left. uh, Patsy wanted to drop two gifts off uh, at the Walkers and the Steins, which we did on the way home. Uh, We pulled in the driveway into the garage. Uh, John Bonet was asleep in the back of the car. Uh, I carried her upstairs and put her to bed. is that the last time you saw Jean Benet alive? Yes, it was. Um, do you know if uh, Patsy um, joined you in the bedroom uh, when you put her to put Jean Benet to bed? I don't recall. Um, she was in the bedroom when I was in the bedroom. Hmm. Hmm. Which kind of counteracts a lot of their other statements. Yeah. Where it's like Patsy. They get weird about that whole. That whole point in time of going up the stairs, like, oh, carried to bed. John was carrying her. I was maybe in front of him, or maybe I was behind him. Uh, but Patsy's recollection of it is that, you know, John carried her into the room and then set her down, and then mm. she finished undressing her and stuff. She changed it into some clothes that wasn't the clothes she wore before. Right. And that's, and then, you know, and John, a, I think a year removed that. from those interviews, John seems to say he can't remember if Patsy, he can't remember what the, the if, line is for this story. Uh, yeah. He's if, very, in any of these deposition interviews, John seems to be very angry. Uh, um, that he's even there mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of interesting because there's going to be another example of him kind of breaking the whole 
chain of the normal story that he tells. I found the deposition <laughs> interviews very fascinating. The Johnny Depp. Yeah, but here's the here's the next part of uh, that uh, that line of questioning following the the Whites party. Do you re have any memory of what she was doing after you left Fleet Whites? She was asleep. How soon after you left Fleet White did she go to sleep? I don't know. Sometime between the time she got in the car and when we arrived home. Um, do you remember whether she woke up at any time between the time you saw her asleep in the car and the time you put her to bed? She night? did not. I don't know how long they were in the car. Because if they were, if they were dropping off two presents, two houses, you know, there's different amounts of time that someone could be stopping at someone's house. Right. You know, moms, they love to chat. Well, hey, you know, right. I want to go ahead and give a shout out then to another another warrior in this whole uh, oh. crusade to get to the truth. There's a Cotton Star crime scene. Uh, they have a Instagram, which is how I first saw him, and then there's a YouTube. But he lives in Boulder. Yeah. And there's a video that he does where he actually shows the drive that they would have taken that night. Really? Yeah. I should have rewatched that to prep for this episode. But how I'll long? Include, is I'll the include drive? a link to it. I, I don't think it was that long. But again, okay. um, I'm not sure because I'm gonna have to rewatch it. I don't know if he factors in again. They've said that Patsy at the Steins went up to the door and was talking for about 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. So whatever John was doing, just sitting in the fucking car, not paying attention to whether or not the kids are asleep or yeah. what the, whatever the fuck's going on. And so they left the White's house. They drove home but made two stops. And we don't know exactly how long that drive in total it was. It take, I believe, around, if I remember correctly, it was something around seven minutes. Just to do the drive itself. Yeah. And you factor in another 15 minutes, it's 20,000 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not. And then there was another house not, they stopped that though. It's not not enough time for a little girl to fall asleep. But again, mm. there's been conflicting reports about from their own mouths about whether or not she was asleep in the car or not. Uh huh. And what time they got also, home? They've also said before that uh, she helped carry presents up to one of those houses. Mmm. Mm. So she would have been awake, and then she would have to fall asleep after that. Mm. But then also. Uh, it's easier to just say but she the, was asleep. So but then also Burke at one point said that he saw her carry presents up the stairs. Mm -hmm. That was when he was interviewed in 1997. But then how do you get a group of, you know, like how do you get this like culture of like neighbors to not, you know, confirm these timelines or not do anything? Mm. The Ramseys also demand the rest of their close friends remain silent. The circle of friends were telling each other, do not talk to reporters or the police. That was the beginning of questioning what was going on with John and Patsy Ramsey. But I'm a kind of a person that when somebody tells me not to do something, I turn around and do it anyway. As evidenced by being in this documentary, that was a Judith Phillips, Joseph. who they said it was a neighbor friend. She's but, spunky. That's so, abroad. So that night, you know, where they're taking people around, you know, uh -huh. it's a thing where they could probably get people to like, you know, that, that, hush up. They got money. Up. You know, they got money. What's what's that called when it's like, you know, like like line up or gather around or something? Like they they all get together and they tighten up. They close the ranks. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's just it's just an interesting thing because some of these details they don't they by their nature they shouldn't be the hardest things to remember. They, but they become something that we think is hard to remember because the Ramses for years have made it so that it, it looks and appears as they're hard to remember because they're almost inconsequential when really it's a strategy often devised by public relations experts that people hire when they're you know, mm -hmm. spending millions of dollars on, on that kind of stuff where um, it's a way to deflect and make something seem both insignificant um, as a detail but also something that like... Um, uh, we don't want to talk about because potentially it could be adverse 
um, in its effects. Yay. Do you have any memory of what she was doing after you left Fleet White's? She was asleep. How soon after you left Fleet White did she go to sleep? I don't know. Sometime between the time she got in the car and when we arrived home. Um, do you remember whether she woke up at any time between the time you saw her asleep in the car and the time you put her to bed? She night? did not. Hmm. So he's saying she definitely didn't wake up. And, you know, and uh, Under oath, he's saying that. Which but also that means that, you know, okay, the last time you saw your daughter alive was what? Before she got in the car, because yeah. she obviously didn't fucking turn around. Yeah. Wow. What is she? Was she asleep the entire time? And I mean, she was, she was really alive. But I'm just saying, the last time I saw her awake, I guess, because he, yeah. he says he carried her inside. Mm -hmm. But you know, they've also said that she walked up the stairs. So it was Burke. And we also heard at one point, I believe, from John Ramsey himself, that he was reading her a bedtime story. Right. And then he also, I think we have more of him describing what he does that night. Keep going there. Um, I went downstairs to get Burke in bed. Um, he was putting together a little plastic toy that he'd gotten for Christmas. And, uh, I helped him finish it so he could get off to bed. And we did that, and uh, then I went to bed myself. I think I took my clothes off, brushed my teeth, put my pajamas on, and crawled into bed. I also find it interesting, that choice of words there, where he says he goes downstairs. Because the Ramsey's bedroom is on the third floor. Yeah. So that means he went downstairs, like he was already you know, he went upstairs, put Jamine to bed, apparently. Mm -hmm. Didn't pass Ghost Passy or whatever. But then went upstairs, and then at some point was like, I'm going to go downstairs and get Burke ready for bed and help him finish his fucking toy. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The one that Burke maybe snuck down for, maybe not. Yeah. But, uh, so, and and so it's it was an interesting choice of words. Yeah, it is interesting, because it's also, like, trying to, like, put him geographically, like, I don't know, somewhere, you know, like. And then downstairs. also putting the kid to bed. Yeah, yeah. And then brushing his teeth and all his stuff, and then he went to bed, because he went. Patsy Ramsey was still awake when John Ramsey went to bed, right? Yeah, but she was already in bed. She and was also, already in and bed. also in that same interview. Uh, there's a thing where the guy is like, "Wait, didn't you? Did you take anything to help you fall asleep?" And then John's like, "Oh yeah, I took a melatonin." Which uh, is like how he figured out what the fucking company line was. Uh -huh. And the guy's like, okay, um, did you read maybe? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I read too. Which were things that he said in other places that is, that's what he did. Yeah. But during this deposition mm. under oath. He's Johnny doesn't give a shit. He wasn't putting those. He wasn't peppering those details in at least by choice. But then the other attorney, he was like, oh, but didn't you do this? Almost to be put that on the It's record. like he didn't brush up with his PR firm before he mm -hmm. did this deposition. Didn't brush up on it or he didn't want to say it because he didn't want to lie under her. So now we've got John mm -hmm. and you know, this is, you know, he puts everybody to bed supposedly, okay? Mm -hmm. And then John's side of the story is that, you know, he took the melatonin and shit, slept peacefully throughout the night. Yeah. First thing he knows is Patsy's screaming about the ransom note. He comes down and reads it on all fours he didn't without touch touching it. it. Yeah, he didn't touch he it. Crouched over the- it's like, okay, weird. Mr. Magoo. Yeah, and they, you know, they get the cops, they call the cops. Patsy's like, should we call it? He's like, what do we do? And he's like, call the cops. So she's like, oh, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And they call the cops. And, and Burke heard him say that, call the cops. Yeah, Burke is supposedly heard floor. from, yeah, his room on the other side of the fucking house. Yeah, even though the kitchen and the curved staircase on the other end of the home, he was able to discern the words from his room. Pro which, tip, if you're going to do a murder, do not involve a nine-year-old. No, unless it's Macaulay Culkin himself. Or the story's straight. A young Elijah Wood, you maybe. About touching him. Yeah, no. It's, uh, this kid is strange. Yeah, yeah, very strange kid. I'm not the only but, kid that's put my penis on a tree. That's for sure. And it's, tr and it's oh yeah, you 100% probably are yeah. the only kid that's fucked a tree. Yeah, um, it was consensual. 
you a tree can't consent. But a like, tree it can, honestly, it can grip probably, back. There's probably some fucking PETA group for trees. It didn't run away. Uh, <laughs> people that fuck rocks and trees are so them. easy. Jesus Christ! Okay. Give me in a tree and a and a and a bottle of hypnotic. Right. So okay, we got this thing where now we got the cops there. Okay. John is asked, you know, uh, if he's gone into the basement prior to the time where he you know he discovers his daughter in the basement. Prior to Linda Arn asking you to look around the house, uh, how many times did you go to the basement? Once. Um, do you remember what at what time in the morning you went to the basement? I do not. All right. Um, do you remember what you saw in the basement when you went down there? I saw a partially open window with broken glass and a suitcase beneath the window. Did anyone ask you to go to the basement at that time? No. Do you know if anybody uh, saw you go to the basement at that time? I have no idea. Did you inform anybody of what you found in the basement? I don't recall specifically if I did or not. I have a vague recollection of telling Linda Arndt that I found an open window with broken glass, but that I perhaps had broken that glass myself months earlier. That when during that event during the summer that yeah he says that you know during that yeah that time where he had to break into the house yeah which again uh, John uses a garage opener so it's a weird mm -hmm. the window for me is so fucking weird because it's uh -huh. like a thing for me yeah. it seems like it was part of initial setup for the whole mm -hmm. thing and uh, Teddy had previously been curious about whether or not John had gone to the basement before well there's mm -hmm. your answer there's the answer and they did it uh, you know in secret. And, mm. But it's a thing, you know, the glass was thrown in. But it's interesting because John still, even though he broke in before, he's still like, oh, maybe it's, you know, a part of the equation. Yeah, maybe they still use this window and this suitcase that I know that's okay. It's my man, damn, but I want. Right. Well, and, you know, and he's looking for shards of glass, which would be like, okay, which way was the window broken? Why would some of that window be used? Well, and then some of the glass inside or outside? Some of the glass was found on that suitcase, too. On the suitcase. So I, to me, it seemed like a staging attempt because, again, they had a maid who says, again, if there was a mess like that, they would have had me clean it up. Oh, yeah. And again, John has no reason to go in through that window if he doesn't have his keys. Uh, we could break a window like that, though. Exactly. Well, uh, you could do a baseball bat. Supposedly, the base. Maybe the baseball bat was done from the outside, and the that's baseball why baseball bat out. that had the basement fibers, carpet fibers, right? On it. The baseball bat was on the outside, wasn't it? It was and thrown sure outside was. from the butler pantry window, potentially, because a neighbor heard the sound of clanging metal coming from that end of the house, mm. and it was outside mm -hmm. that window. So we know so now it's around midnight. Like, so we know for mm -hmm. sure that whether or not that was the murder weapon or something used, you know, to end the mm -hmm. crime as part uh, of a cover-up. It was it's a cover -up tossed up out of a window. Yeah. And that butler door was left open. So that could be possibly somebody walking out of that door mm. to go create this little outdoor uh -huh. thing. And whether it was done before the cops were there or when John was there, I feel like John still tried to suppose it as part of an uh, evidence. Uh -huh. Here's a here's a clip from the 1998 uh, Fox movie Getting Away with Murder that uh, mm. shows the uh, shows the incident where John and Fleet now John on his second trip down to the basement. Uh, goes and searches. Hey, John. Hmm? Look at that. Oh, no, I broke that last summer. I locked myself out. John? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, wow. Riveting. Pivoting. Yeah. Pivoting. That was pivoting. Yeah, that door opened easily. Too. Yeah. He and also, did you notice in that where, <laughs> and, and we'll have the video clip, yeah. his fleet uh, screams at John before he goes into the wine cellar. 
like this movie, this Fox movie, you know, the Santa Claus thing. They did a lot of like any suspect they threw at the wall to make it seem like Fleet, it was very convincing. Fleet almost tries to warn John not to go in there where he uh-huh. knows supposedly John Bonet's body is. John? John, yeah, yeah, like but Fleet, because because even at some point, I think John Ramsey said that Fleet might be a suspect, yeah, right? And they're not, they're not friends anymore. But with the window there in that little scene, they go off the little info they have where it's like, oh, John informed Fleet about the window before. So, uh-huh. but here is John in that deposition describing him searching the basement with Fleet. And um, Linda Arndt asked you to go down to the basement. Um, I think that was sometime in the early afternoon. I don't remember the time. I really don't. And then finally, uh, the police asked me to uh, look through the house thoroughly, and I found her in the basement about uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. Sorry. Yeah, that clip. It, this is still part of the same clip. I just thought that was really interesting. There, where in this deposition again, I said John's kind of salty. Yeah. He kind of throws in there that it's like I don't remember what time. But this is also oh. 2001, which is like you know they've been doing a book tour. You've been talking about it. You wrote a book about it. We've been doing this for a little while, and it's engraved in my memory. I know they went to go look for the body around one o'clock. Uh huh. And the book. Can we talk about the book? The book. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the book here in a second. Oh, good. All right. So we're okay. once because the book's after the death. So we're still talking about the okay. death. All right. So yeah. here is here's the actual full clip of John in that deposition talking about the John uh, exploring the basement of the fleet. Oh. When um, Linda Arndt asked you to go down to the basement, um, I think that was sometime in the early afternoon. I don't remember the time. Okay. I really don't. When when she asked you to go down to the basement. Um, could you explain why you chose going to the basement since you'd already been there earlier? She told me to go through the house and look for anything, go through the house thoroughly, as I recall, and look for anything that seems out of place. And so my intent was to do it thoroughly. Um, did you ask Fleet White to join you? I think I did, as I recall. Um, do you remember exactly um, the sequence of events um, when you went down to the basement the second time. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me where you looked? I went back into the train room, uh, showed Fleet the broken window, uh, explained to him that I might have broken it myself months ago, um, showed him the suitcase that I saw under the window, which I felt was very out of place. Um, we uh, looked for any large pieces of broken glass, and then I got up and went to the um, cellar room, opened the door, and found John Bonet. What? Look at all that. John's actual recollection of it is it sounds like he's kind of guiding Fleet through. Uh, we already know now that John told Fleet to come with him. Uh-huh. It's like they and again they called all these people over the house. It's like they wanted mm. witnesses for everything. Uh huh. They 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 had people all around Patsy watching her. And these aren't just anybody. These are people that they were with the night mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So it's witnesses to be like, oh, I saw John Bonet last night. She mm-hmm. was fine. And then also a fucking pastor to be like, boom, we got to do the religion angle right off the yeah. bat. And these are people they called over right after calling nine one one. John could have easily hung up the phone, which you're not supposed to do. John could called their friends over. They could have. John John could have also easily just like gone in the basement himself. He could have. But and he, he already did. Remember once he did before. Maybe he spruced up the scene a little bit when he first saw the window with broken glass. But he 
as he said, is it under in depositions? Like he told Fleet, oh yeah, that's the window I broke. But he still go on. We're like, then we mm. look for a broken glass because he says Mike. Mm. He added something of like maybe that was me. I don't know. If uh, I did that. Let's where let's it's like broken glass. Come on, okay, Annie Lennox, because yeah. there's something to be said almost of to your point. If that was part of their original cover up idea. And then at some point they almost were like, wait, that's not going to work. Whether they, re- whether they realize it later or realize it just prior to right. all those people coming over. So they knew that when, some, when the first person comes down here, I got to set the record straight as it was. And I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I broke that months ago. And why wouldn't the police find that? Not like, I didn't break that to last night why because would, I was trying to cover Why up. wouldn't the police find that weird the first pass through too? Yeah. Like if John found it weird, which we don't mm-hmm. know again, he doesn't know the time if it was before or after the police went down. There. Uh-huh. But it's a thing of like, you know, if they didn't find it that you know, weird enough. They did, I mean, they filmed the ledge and stuff like that and that's how we know it was an undisturbed mm-hmm. window well. And it's but kind it's of still, a small window. They, so yeah, for, you made a good point. They, for some reason, they abandoned that mm. plan. Yeah. But they still tried to suppose it for some reason. And they, I think maybe mm-hmm. they abandoned it when they maybe found out that the cops knew that the window well wasn't disturbed. Like, oh, we already cleared that. Uh, we already cleared that as a mm-hmm. point of entry. And he's like, well, fuck. Or, mm. or maybe all that set up just to draw police attention mm. to down there. Maybe be like, hey, mm-hmm. keep looking in other rooms. Like, I'm almost getting the sense, Bobby, is that though the window well isn't quite the um, clue that solves how she was murdered or who she was murdered by, but the window well solves that there was a cover-up. That yeah. and, and, and Lou yeah. and Lou Smith coming in later on under the, the DA who liked the Ramses and then getting hired by the Ramses later on, promoting the first theory that was separate, that was took the focus off the Ramses. They went through almost six months of being the only potential suspects. And then suddenly you get this ray of light shining down from heaven. It's coming out of Lou 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 Smith's piss hole. And it's uh, a new theory, the intruder theory, and they almost reverse that window. And rather it being almost like a way to break in or break out, or like I don't know. Well, they make they find a way for you know what I mean for that almost to like not be about John like, uh, klutzing around or or Patsy with her stupid first fucking like impulse. Can you imagine her swinging a baseball bat in that basement alone? And also, really quickly. How long had it, that window been broken? If this was December and it happened in summer, I think they said around like August-ish. Said, yeah, yeah it was like midsummer. Then why yeah. hasn't that been fixed? Why That's is that thing, just an open window? Even the housekeeper had said they would have gotten that taken care of if that was the case. Yeah. And again. John did not have to fucking break in. And, you know, they ended up having to expand that story to say he did it more than once. Mm-hmm. Once Burke added himself in the story. When they're mm-hmm. like, hey, did you know your dad had to break in once? And Burke just, you know, being the loyal little shit he is, mm-hmm. uh, goes, oh, yeah, I was there. And they're yeah. like, what? what? And then, and then John mm-hmm. had to be like, oh, yeah, I did it a couple times now. Uh-huh. And Burke was there one time. Because originally they said that Burke was in summer camp. Yeah, well, the original time John did it, so they had to add Burke, now. you can't stick oh, the yeah, fucking company line. Because you've lost your fucking key and your garage. And also, opener. this is the room where your son plays with all the time, you're not going to have broken glass on that room. No. You're not going to have a shattered window. That's a very fucking good point. You're, you're not going to have that be not fixed to the point where there's still broken glass that's on top of the suitcase full of cum towel. Yeah. And so, it must have happened that night. That's true. It must have. That's very true. That's a very They're good They're going down that point. basement all the time. Patsy's putting the presents down there. Right. That's a very good fucking point. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. I know, because I got the amazing unparalleled abilities analysis. I am the most analysis of all analysts ever in the world. And it's something that, you know, should be honestly respected and revered. And Donna should be doing things like, give me, give me warm towels. 
get me toast when Why I want do you toast. Want a warm towel? Because sometimes I need warm Why things on my hands. It promotes my blood circulation, Don. Oh, okay, you're talking about calm, so I'm just making sure. Like, <coughs> calm down, no, calm down, no, calm down, calm down. Help with my blood circulation. Right. You, you're supposed supposing things. It's a supposition, like Bobby taught me that word. So, you know, you know so that word. Then, is? You know, we got we got Stupid, you know the Ramses. They skated, you know, Can't the investigation the first day by not talking to the cops. <clears throat> and then there was the whole media thing where they're saying like, oh, you know, they're not talking to the cops and they keep saying, no, we did. And so here was, uh, here was John in regards to that. Well, we did. First of all, we, we met with the police on the 26th. We met with them on the 27th. Uh, we gave fingerprint, handprint, blood samples, hair samples on the 28th, I think it was. Mm. And, you know, but what he's referring to is we met with him on the 26th is... The police were at your house for this. We met them. That we, uh, that's not meeting. We shook their hands. That's not said, meeting. You avoided mm-hmm. even getting questioned by them. Yeah. The 27th, they mm-hmm. were over at their friend's house. That's where Linda Arndt and another detective went over to question them. Oh. Uh, Patsy was absent. She's in another room because she was all volumed up by the JonBenet's pediatrician who was there, as well as two lawyers. Hmm. What? And yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. And so right. they're set in terms right then and there on the 27th. And then the 28th was a uh, a mandated that no matter what, by that day, they had the turnover samples. And it was like John and Burke went and took in fucking hair samples from everybody. Wow. So, again, they still didn't talk to Patsy. But for them to be like, oh, we did talk to them. Yeah. And then, you know, so they can sound like, oh, it was cordial and we were cooperative. Right. And then really, it's like you guys were like, it was like pulling thief. Right. And then so in 1997, we know that they talked to him in like uh, late April, early May. Uh Other Ramsey's. And then later on that year, uh, they get a new uh, they get a new chief, and that's Mark mm. Bruckner, who we've referenced his previously deleted AMA. And here's him oh, yeah. on uh, be- after, freshly after becoming chief. It's been approximately six months since we last uh, interviewed the Ramses. During that time, there's been a lot of investigation. We've uncovered a lot of new information. We have a lot of new questions, and uh, they can help us answer those questions. Uh, they have indicated every willingness to cooperate and have done so uh, during my nine weeks anyways, and um, so I expect that uh, we'll get that done in the near future. But it won't happen. It will be three years before the Ramses and police talk again. They will do two subsequent interviews with the DA. Their only stipulation, to which the DA agrees, is that the police are not involved. Wild. Their only stipulation, and the DA agrees, that the police are not involved. Yeah. Why are they deciding that? Because it's like, hey, we got a Lou Smith right here. He's a retired detective. Uh-huh. Let him just interview us. Mm. Yeah. The guy who looks at things on the day of, who was brought in months later. Who's already like, you know, <laughs> he thinks they didn't do it. So yeah. like, no matter what. Wow. Eventually is on their payroll for decades. <clears throat> right. And so and the police would, uh, you know. Somebody's payroll. And again, there's, it's, it's, you know, they did very kind of narrowly focus on the Ramses. But yeah. again, that's, I would too in the way of like, you guys are the most likely suspects here and you're still not granting his interview. So it's like. And that, that press conference, which was on December 5th of uh, 1997, I think it was. Right. It was very like diplomatic and going, mm. they are very cooperative. They've, I'm a new guy. I, you know, they don't know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've been here for nine weeks. They've been cooperative with me so far. They so I'm optimistic, yeah. you know, but then it was what, four years? Yeah. Four 
years. Wow. Four years. Four no, years. Three years. It was three years. Three, three years. years. And again, in that time, then, three years. In that time, then they would go on uh, to write. Uh, they would go on to write a book about they were, John Bonet mm-hmm. called "The Death of Innocence," which, to me, mm-hmm. like Daddy, the most fucked up thing about this book yeah. is that the book is called "The Death of Innocence." Death and you of think innocence. you know you got a dead daughter? That's what it's about. No, no. Death this book Bonet. is about the death of their presumed innocence. Crazy. It's not. It's not about. It has nothing to do with Jaminet. That presumed innocence. She's not even on the fucking cover. Wow. She got the paperback here. She's not on the back, but she is on the back of the. It's guess, a heavy the book. It's got red lining. It's got a, a Patsy and John. They've got their heads are floating in a back in a black background, like they're wearing black clothes. They're very. They're looking very seductive. It looks like wasn't there like a Kenny G video that looks like that? It does look like a Kenny like G a, video. Um, all black. Uh huh. All black background. Like a Harlequin. Uh, they could. Yeah. It's almost like they could have been either in a Eurythmics music video or a Schneidtoy music video. The death of innocence, John Benet's parents tell their story. It's the death of their innocence, right? Not the death of their innocent daughter. Go ahead and play that for me. We believe that America has lost the concept of presumption of innocence. Uh, We've been tasked with proving that we're innocent. And that shouldn't be. Ha! And yeah, so that's like, you know, he, he thinks that's, that's, and it, that's their whole Shut clinch point. Again, not about their daughter, about Shut the death right. of their presumed innocence, which is the same thing with the pastor at the beginning, mm-hmm. where John's like, you know, even if we were murderers, no. we still got to accept us kind of thing. We're mm-hmm. like, what's going on? What happened, guys? We got to. It's so interesting how everything eventually, whether it started out about someone else or something else or whatever, or if it started out, you know, <coughs> a little closer. But everything in the end ends up being about John or Patsy Ramsey. Mm. They make it about themselves. Yep. Right. In the end, it's almost like a black hole. Like in the end, that's what <clears throat> the pineapple is about. Anything becomes eventually an, a, a, an indictment or a judgment about them as people, as parents, or as sinners. Right. And, and well, yeah. you know what an alternate uh, book title for that was, though? Why was that? So they uh, they were asked a question on that uh, Christian bullshit, that Hawaiian stuff, where uh, they were saying, hey, uh, the media portrayed you guys, you know, they put out a lot of stuff that wasn't right out there, in there. Mm-hmm. What was your, uh, what was one of the ones that really bothered you? I, probably the first one, in fact, we wanted to make that the title of our book, uh, was uh, No Footprints in the Snow. No footprints in the snow. Yeah, wait, what's that about? It was because the musing over another Right. Well, it was because the police had put out a statement. You know, the media too. Like you know, early on when the Ramses were being uncooperative, Uh that hey, you know, there's no intruder because there was no footprints in the snow. But based on their earlier crime scene footage, or, you know, pictures and shit, uh-huh. there was no snow anyways. So it's kind of misleading. So the book, they wouldn't make the book almost like a joke, the title a joke. Like, no footprints in the snow, like these cops were idiots or, or wrong. Well, I mean, again, it's also, they were trying know, to say no footprints in the snow is the reason why we're We're talking break of dawn, too. So we don't know if it's, you know, the, yeah. some cop walked around and actually checked the perimeter right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good on point. On the outside. I mean, it was Christmas time. It was early in the morning. It could have been dark out. You know, mm-hmm. and but the thing of it is, is that this book, The Death of Innocence, one, it, it adds their faces like almost like when you're used to seeing John Monet's face all the time. But then it's told from both of their point of views, like they mm-hmm. alternate where then it makes me think as an investigator of serious professionalism. Of like if I was telling uh, the definitive story of like what happened. Oh, look, SBTC right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Southern Bell Telephone, Telephone Company. company yeah. mm-hmm. I think so. I got a feeling. But anyway. 
they, I would make I would make strategic choices of who tells what part of the story. Well, you know, when it's Absolutely. their first person, you know what I mean? And it's very telling, like, what they do in the and then it's, I mean, and also in this presentation of this book, which came out in 2000, yeah. uh, you even saw that they presented the whole grand jury thing as like a, uh, basically like a, you know, it was so relieving because they basically said, hey, we didn't, mm-hmm. it's so great that now a grand jury has decided that we, you know, they should. But, you know. They didn't, which we didn't find out for fucking mm. eight years after that book, and that they didn't actually clear you. So, so this is from the book. This is from page three seventy four. Okay, it's like the whole climax of the entire book is like them like trying to hear the answer, and they say, uh, "Let's see." Hunter walked to a microphone. That's Alex Hunter, the DA, mm-hmm. and made a terse statement. The Boulder County Grand Jury has completed its work and will not return. He said, "No charges have been filed." As we heard Hunter's words, we squeezed each other's hands. I must report to you that I. In my prosecutorial team, believe we do not have sufficient evidence to warrant the filing of charges against anyone who's been investigated at this time, Hunter concluded. I remember that clip, Bobby. Yeah. And then John says, I couldn't believe my ears. The battered justice system had creaked and shuddered, but it had worked. We had not been indicted. Patsy hugged me and we stood there in relief, staring at the television screen. People would have to finally see. People would have to finally see. The jury's decision as our vindication. I was so choked up, I was about ready to cry. We went got in the jail. So, like, finally see the jury's decision. It was not the jury's decision. It wasn't. It was the DA's decision. But they thought this shit would stay sealed. And that's you know? the, and they 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 lied at the crux to, of the plot point to make the point of it be what it, they wanted it to be in their little fake fucking story, the little PR, little bullshit, Candyland, you know, of hate, whatever. But also, like. I found it where in towards the beginning when they're talking about the time they took John Bonet upstairs and put it in bed, he, he writes, uh, John Bonet had fallen fast asleep in the back seat. I got her out of the car and carried her upstairs to her room, laid her on the bed, and took off her coat and shoes. I was amazed at how sound asleep she was. It had been a long day for her. Patsy came in to finish getting John Re- Bonet ready for bed. Boom. Boom. Patsy and then, then he says the whole downstairs, he went downstairs to get Burke to come up to bed and all that shit. But basically, Patsy was in the room, but yeah, in that deposition, he's like, I don't know if I'm in the room. Right. And then, you know, during his interviews with, like, uh, Lou Smith, uh, he was asked uh, of, of various different things. Here's uh, here's one about him. This one's at the bottom. It's like the third one up. You see it? Patsy, yeah, play that. There's been a lot of speculation by a lot of people that maybe you didn't know anything about the murder, but maybe Patsy Preposterous. I mean, Patsy uh, loves both her children dearly, uh, but frankly, she and Javanet were extremely close. Mm. Mm. I love how open and free he can be with yeah. uh, Lou Smith. Two guys shooting the shit, eating peanuts, drinking beer. And then here's him in that same uh, interrogation when he's asked about the uh, pineapple stuff. What have you heard about pineapple? Well, we were asked, you know, did John eat pineapple? And, and uh, because apparently it was found in her system. I think part of the question was, what did she eat it when she got home? You know, I'm sure she didn't because she was absolutely sound asleep. She was sound asleep. Right. And they didn't gone it much from these interviews, but there, there is one part of it that I found interesting where mm. he does, it, this is where they actually have it, where he implicates uh, Priscilla White and possibly being uh, Fleet White's wife. Fleet White's wife. Here we go. Go ahead and roll that. Right, narrow that box down even further. Two. I would pick Priscilla. There's a lot of data that kept flowing in afterwards to us from France that said, you know, Priscilla's very jealous of Patsy. 
However, police cleared both Priscilla and Fleet White of suspicion early in the investigation. Ah, oh, that is um, very telling of who John Ramsey really is. Right. Trying to tell Priscilla Fleet White on the bus. Well, for his police interview, you know, you got to kill sometime. You're finally doing it. So it's like, hey, let me see what I can give you. And it was also Priscilla's sister who was the one that gave um, consent for a Brent a Burt, 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 Burt. to be um, interrogated interview. by the yeah. interview by the cops the, hero, on the police. day of of the yeah she so pretended to be Burke's grandmother they might, and gave the police permission it's kind of like the Church of Scientology yeah. or any sort of moment where they wanted to punish if you step out yeah. of line you know you're gonna we're be mad, yeah. We're gonna go after you. We're gonna sick the. And then also, Fleet kept telling John, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to come back and talk to the police. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, John's lawyers absolutely fucking hated Fleet. They did not oh. like all of the advice that he was giving John, which was uh, normal, rational human advice. Like, hey, if you guys got nothing to hide, friend, he was you know? there when he found the body. Like, yeah. Or were you just being used as a pawn to be like a witness? Mm-hmm. But then he you wasn't. Know. You know, he wasn't one of the neighbors that fell in line. He so. wasn't, and they never got back on friendly terms ever again. They did not. Okay, so yeah, we've got this thing, you know, where they use the grand jury to their advantage. Uh-huh. Uh, we've seen how he uses the media. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they just repeat the same story. Oh, I see it. I see it. And I think people listening to the show can see it, though. Right. That's the <clears> thing <throat> about investigations, about things like this. It's important because it, it serves a public service. Right. And then so we move on to uh, 2008. This is two years after Patsy's died. Okay. And uh, there's the Mary Lacey who is now the district attorney of Colorado, mm. is continuing the tradition of being uh, just a shit district attorney. And basically, Mary. she says based on new DNA evidence they got, uh-huh. that they're saying, she's saying it clears the Ramseys to suspects and she sends them this public letter apologizing. Oh yeah, that big long letter. Which is fucking stupid. And the Ramseys again, use that. That was their new mm-hmm. uh, their new thing to latch onto. Like the grand jury cleared us post. You mm-hmm. know. This is also like the same fucking year that the grand jury, we find out the grand jury, you know, same fucking year. Yeah. The so, same year. Yeah, so then now they're like, oh, now we got the district attorney going, hey, we're sorry. Uh-huh. You're actually not suspects at all, guys. So don't worry about this whole grand jury. Uh-huh. And she's the boss. And she has the she she's has she has the like the only person who would be able to do that. It's actually really like it's unprofessional. Fucked up. It is. And here's a here's a detective, a former detective, on that very issue. My name is Gordon Coombs, and I am a former investigator with the Boulder District Attorney's Office. When you're investigating a case, you don't try and fit the evidence into what your theory is. That's when mistakes happen. Mary Lacey's relationship with John Ramsey was unusual. I have never been in a position where one of the suspects in the case is brought into the office for informal conversations. It was not something that I had ever seen, and I would deem it as being pretty inappropriate. It was made known that Mary believes the intruder theory, and the overall feeling was you either believed in the intruder theory, and if you didn't, you were at risk of being forced out. You either keep your mouth shut about this case, or you fall in line. Does that does that sound familiar? I mean, a tradition of this shit going on where you know that sounds like a mob boss. You know, that right. sounds like where 
you just uh, well, and they've shown before that it's like, hey, yeah, you can do all the detective fucking work you want, but we're not gonna go after somebody mm-hmm. if we don't like what you're giving us. Where it's like, who's the real mm-hmm. fucking detectives here? Uh-huh. Like it's it's insane. The American judicial system is just it's, absolutely a guy. It's absurd. I mean, John Ramsey's going into the DA's office, the DA writing little letters saying, "I love you guys so much. It tastes so mm-hmm. good. I love how salty it tastes." Stop and bring you some canes. Money, bring you canes, uh, some cane uh, sauce. Uh, 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 you know. Uh, my, uh, is that the air conditioning or my nipples hard in, in response to you? You know, Patsy's dead, right? Patsy's dead, you know. Mary Lacey. You know, I put maple syrup in my pu- my pussy. Is that a wig? Yeah. It's a merkin? I've gotten, I'm fine with it now if it is a wig. Yeah. What's your favorite place to get naked at Kmart? <laughs> so, yeah. Not saying that John. Don't look at me that way, Don. But not saying John didn't try to fuck Mary Lacey. He's always visiting her office. And then, you know, she's got this letter to him. Mm-hmm. Very inappropriate relationship, which, again, the now DA of Colorado has. Uh, we, it seems like we're going in a good direction because they, they've also said that it was inappropriate that she did that. Oh, good. They said she should have never done that. It's still an open investigation. Yeah. So it is. And so, you know. And it's like, oh, but it's an. And also, it takes to the tango. And John was the one going into the room. And if John's such an upstanding citizen, why is he doing something that is so cavalierly, um, uh, if not illegal, improper? Because it's less expensive than fucking hiring just Lane's lawyers or Lynn Wood to go. Oh, yeah. You know, like, just, you know what? How about I just try to do this one? It's just like the deposition where he's uh-huh. like, I don't need a PR firm. Maybe I'll just wing it. You kind yeah. of fuck it up a little bit. You know, or like, oh, I'm just going to do this because I want to do this anyway. But like also you get cocky. You get a little you get a little cocky. Yeah. You've gotten away with murder. Or, I'm sorry. Uh, moral if high ground. It, if you did it, you got away with covering up something. And you're, you mm-hmm. already know his mindset again from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to accept. What mm-hmm. if I didn't do it? Mm-hmm. Like it's a whole. It's thing a whole with him. They, They're very much like a psychological people. Uh-huh. John's even said he's got an engineer mind where mm-hmm. you have to prove something. Yeah, and he knows he's very careful. So yeah. it's a whole fucking. It's mm-hmm. a very well oiled machine that John mm-hmm. uh, fucking runs here. It's a Schrodinger cat. Uh, like so, every time, and again, you so, have to hold two ideas: are they guilty? Are they innocent? And they play with that. Yeah, and but again, the cop just said, you know, basically, you got to toe the line. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're gone. And it sounded very familiar because here's Alex Uh Hunter uh, back, you know, back in the fucking day, back in 98 or Mm -hmm. 97-ish, about Steve Thomas. Alex Hunter, the district attorney who calls Thomas a tormented soul, urged caution with regard to Thomas's conclusions. He didn't have the background and, and the sort of the depth of understanding that several of the other detectives did. I don't think detectives ought to be writing books yeah and that's yeah. <laughs> i guess not but I want that, that, that statement too where he's yeah. just saying the depth of knowledge uh-huh. or understanding as the other detectives tells me mm-hmm. it's saying like you don't know to toe the fucking line uh uh-huh. you know like saying the company line that shit, uh-huh. it's like, that's the thing it's like steve mm-hmm. just went against it and he was the lead detective on the case and you gotta mm-hmm. let him fucking do that well but apparently not on this case because that there is a line that's already He's already not towing with. And it's weird because it's like, you know, you also saw with the Ramsey's neighbors where if they didn't tow the line, they were going to be targeted. They didn't they even were, say anything. Well, yeah, you I mean, know? that's what happened with Lynn Wood, but it was like not that stupid it, we, we see these social thing. pressures on all these different spheres where it's public pressure to not question or to not counter some sort of main story. And I feel like exactly. that extends to this case this to this day of even just some of any animus or anathema or any sort of um, p- uh, 
perplexity or, or, or misunderstandings of like what we're doing. Right. You but, know, where it's like, how, how, when's the last time you've seen anybody spend 10 hours of their time talking about this little girl and not just talking about themselves? I really just want to point out just like, you know, the duality of this whole thing where we got, you know, back in the day, it was the same fucking thing where the DA is on their side. They got them in their pocket. These people are like, I don't want people to think that they're not powerful. He tries to say they don't have a PR firm, but like you've got your hand in the DA's pocket. Their Mm -hmm. lawyer was very good friends with the assistant DA back in the day. Mm -hmm. And we got them going out for them. Mm -hmm. Cut to fucking years later. Uh, new, you know, (laughs) new evidence comes out as well as the same time that it's revealed that the grand jury chose to indict you. You get the new DA who you keep visiting to then fucking what? Write a letter saying, hey, you guys are clearly suspects. It's an open investigation. Super innocent. It's insane because it's just another PR round. It's just Mm -hmm. like, how do we make them look good? You don't need to have your own PR people when you have the state of Colorado's fucking attorney general's PR people. Right. Right. Like Lynn Wood's got PR people. He's got his own Mm -hmm. people he can do. They got people. I mean, you know, it's just like Lynn Wood knew Donald Trump. Donald Trump knew David Pecker. David Pecker read uh, led AMI or whatever it was that ran National Enquirer in New York. Yeah. Wait, so like, I didn't know this. Well, okay. Oh, because I mean, I follow them. Right, I know them. What? Keep going. I know them. What? When was you, David and, Pecker? And so like, there's a lot of people where they could like just make a phone call. David Pecker was part of an arrangement, or maybe even a settlement, or even some sort of like um, pay to play sort of thing where they had. Did you Wentworth? You know, and 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 they were able to get stories out there, or to you know have like things be on the cover page. Um, of uh, the Inquirer. Of the Inquirer of like you know like that makes sense. Does that? That makes sense because mm-hmm. the Rams. Like they hated the globe, mm-hmm. but there's also I've seen stuff where the Ramsey's investigator actually uh-huh. talked to the Inquirer for stories. See, see, and they gave the police shit for also talking to the tabloids too. The police and the DA are granting hundreds of media interviews to just about any reporters who ask. But but it's one of those they things both where were they, doing it. They did it. Someone Everybody was using it. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things where it's uh, very curious. Well, first, they kind of take like a Heidi tidy, Heidi mighty, whatever. Like, you know, oh God, we're, we're, we're Christians, like, you know, and rich people's mm. sort of perspective of like, oh, we denounce people doing that. But they do it, too. Well, they try to say at this point, they're trying to paint themselves as, you know, you know, people that are, you know, Christians, but also they've lost everything, which isn't fucking true. Mm, you know, no. they have these foundations and shit that they started, that they tried to funnel money through, that they thought were going to be working out for lawsuits. Oh, really? But they ended up finding out that, oh, Burke's lawsuits were the more profitable one. Hi, Larry. Thanks for having me sure. on. Uh, Mr. Ramsey, you talk about giving back to the community. In your book of uh, Death of Innocence, you talk extensively about the John Benet Ramsey Foundation. That foundation was closed. It virtually did nothing. Yet in your book, uh, it still says the proceeds from the book sales are going to the John Benet Ramsey Foundation. I'm wondering if you can explain that. And also, could you please tell everybody that in the civil case, the judge was only presented with what Linwood, your civil attorney, showed him, uh, showed her, and without benefit of the actual police files. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you so much. All right. I'm sorry I didn't hear the, the second part of that question, but uh, regarding the foundation we set up for John Bonet and her honor, frankly, we had hoped that uh, uh, we could recover substantial damages from uh, a lot of the, the very slanderous and, and wrong stories that were put out there about us. Uh, we did recover some things, but uh, most of those were in, on behalf of our son, Burke. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they're not broke. 
They're not fucking broke. They're able to hide their assets. Sean's, there's no way he still doesn't have like stocks and fucking access graphics or whatever the fuck. Fucking Lockheed Martin yeah. company. Mm. But so John, you know, he, he, he very much embraces faith as a good, you know, angle or, you know, actually a man who's a man of God now. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he's he near the end of his life. Well, he's still fucking alive. I'm sorry. But, you know, near the end, uh, he very much is uh, going for this persona. And here's him uh, comparing himself to Job. Godana. Okay. You know, you need to focus. Okay. She's been doing so She needs to focus. There's been a lot I'll of clips and she's actually been doing good She's so in far. fucking La La Land. All right. And like, all right, Ryan, Ryan <clears throat> Gillespie. Listen, listen. There's a wonderful uh, th- discovery, I, for me anyway, that I found in Job. And, and if you remember, uh, at the beginning of the story, uh, Job is said to have, uh, and I forget the exact numbers, but 3,000 cattle and 2,000 sheep and seven sons and three daughters. And then, of course, at the very end of the story, God restores Job's uh, wealth and uh, possessions and family twofold and it relates that now he had 6,000 cattle and 4,000 sheep and so forth and so on seven sons and three daughters and then the story ends and um, if you notice that the, the question I, I asked uh, was well why didn't he have why didn't God give him 14 sons and six daughters which would have been twice as many as he, he had in the beginning yeah. and I think the answer would have been that Job, you have 14 sons and six daughters. Seven and three are with me. And it was the most uh, wonderful thing that I discovered in the in the Bible, I think, uh, for me, having lost two children. To see that consistency in Job, which is one of the oldest books of the Bible, written before Jesus came along and told us that, that of eternal life. Uh, uh, fucking 14 daughters and seven. Isn't that like a fucking old riddle? Like... Look at, 14 dollars and 7 something Yeah, you know, down to town he's going how many three, fucking dollars 73 kilometers in this direction and yeah. he's got you know this many like limeade cherry limeades from Sonic drive in so yeah in this John, direction. you got two dead daughters and two dead wives it's like John give it a break you know he how many apples do you have yeah it's like you know this whole like campaign to portray yourself as a martyr right well it's Job you know, as Job. Job, from Mission Job, Impossible. Job, Job is a big deal in the Bible. And it's like, is that true, the true the true story and metaphor to glean? Because do we even know what the actual events are? Instead, of the Bible? Is that what you're No, saying? no, of John Ramsey's life. Instead, we're, oh. he's, paying, he's telling us oh, what the truth is. I don't tr- think he the, was really picturing John Bonet in that story. And only in the way of like I lost sheep or whatever. Well, I lost that sheep, you know. Yeah, that kind of shit. But it's like, but it's like, but okay, Again, you lost that sheep. Focusing on themselves. This is about well, them. He How is. It he is them. Yeah, he is. And it's honestly, but it's also something where he's putting himself like, um, John Benet's death tells his story, not that he has things to answer about her story. You know what I mean? Right. And you're like inputting it, but on him, and it's so biblical. Mm-hmm. That's why it is this. Murder is not. Well, he's a man of God now, and that's why it's like so he starts releasing his book. He writes about it all in his new book. It's called The Other Side of Suffering. I told you in the break that I read your book over the weekend, and it was so touching. Oh, Robin. So this is post Patsy being dead. Uh, The Burke Wells run dry. Uh, We got to get another book out there. 
Ah, uh, The Other Side uh, of Suffering. Thank you, because I keep forgetting. I immediately forget that title the second after I hear it. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, mm. oh, oh. No, no, no. Death, of, Death of Innocence is good and memorable because it's like, mm. uh, it's about, you know, it's not really about your dead daughter. It's about mm. your innocence. So The Other Side of Suffering is... It sounds like a sigh. It sounds like not who killed their daughter. It, supposedly, no it's a concern v- at all about who killed their daughter. Oh, well, no. I mean, a loose, no, exactly a loose concern. It's us about them. Which we got that. That'll be coming up. But it's a thing where the, now we've got a very religious John. And so this book's uh, really about him embracing his religion. And that's where he notes mm, the whole, you know, Beth thing. And then, you know, uh, yeah. Patsy. I'd mm. love to get a copy of the book to see if he even mentions the fact that his yeah. previous wife also died. Yeah. You know, so John Andrews' mom, you know. So she maybe died. a little raw about that. That's a lot of death. She's dead. Even in the fucking pictures they were showing of Beth on that one show, which if you watch the video, you'll see it. There's no of her actual mom. They kind of portray it like it's almost like Patsy's her mom. Oh, yeah. They, they, never, they never bring up her actual mother. Yeah, it's like, oh, John, from your previous marriage where oh. I, that ended in infidelity. Right, right, right. right. The marriage yeah. where you were fucking some other lady. And then she died of cancer as well. So. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy. A lot of strange things. Does John just have can does he does he just have he that just, on deck? Like he knows what the, he poisons people. Well it's it's something that he said. There's something to be said. I mean maybe that's his joke thing. Maybe he's doomed to doom people. Well he's known as the Iceman. And again, John has very much always been portrayed as in in all accounts that whenever he was home, because he was away on business a lot. And again, this is a man who has affairs apparently. Uh, he was away on business a lot mm. that whenever he was home, Patsy's job was to, quote, keep the kids away from John. Oh, my gosh. So it's like a thing where he's not a very hands-on father. He was not. He doesn't even know that. He wasn't really spending he time with his but kids. But that's also, like, at the time of period, you know, the best kind of father in the way of, like, that you're still going to be getting these kids seeking your approval. Little two-year-olds coming mm. up your leg, Burke trying to learn yeah. Well, you airplanes. probably have a wife seeking your approval, too. Yeah. yeah. So, exactly. Patsy, you know. Getting over ovarian cancer and getting it back, kind of uh-huh. shit. So it's a thing where he was about not, some contortionist. It needs to be known he was not a hands-on father mm. at all, and I don't think that ever really fucking changed. But you know, now he's a man of faith. He's written this book, and he starts going on a thing. And then you know, I, he gets he gets a new wife too. A new wife. John, with his new wife Jan, lives quietly in Michigan. Yeah, this room will be the master bedroom. Rebuilding is a constant theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Home improvement. Yeah. And then the, here's them um, on one of the weirdest fucking just appearances I've seen on. This is on an Anderson Cooper talk show. I don't know Anderson when this Cooper. happened. Or like Anderson. when he had a talk show. I like love this, Anderson Cooper. I, I fucking love him too. Pat so, Noswalt, so, hey, remember when remember when, you, remember when you said that, you know, he, uh. on New Year's Eve? Where he's like, did he was he with Anderson Cooper? Oh yeah. no, but apparently way later. Later than my later. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so everybody just get ready for the weirdest fucking exchange. Definitely watch the video of this. We met at a wedding in Denver yeah. a couple years ago. And um, you must be so proud of, of, of John for, for his strength. He's the finest human being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> yeah. I really like him. <laughs> John, your whole li- your face lights up when you see her. It's yeah, nice. well, I asked her to say that, so. <laughs> Glad you got it right. Uh, Glad she got it right. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, John. <laughs> Although Anderson has no idea what to do there. Damn. It's like, damn, like, go ahead and spank her in front of all of us. Oh, one dog. But also, it's that. like, so what is her personality? Because that's not, it's not gleamed really at all. No. It's like, oh. He's the finest man I've ever met in my life. It's like, um, okay, it's like, did you ever have joking, a father? She's joking, but she's not joking kind of thing. Oh, uh, like, yeah. No. He's the finest man I ever knew in my life. It's just... Absolutely. Have you not seen Mr. Yeah. Clean? Mr. Clean? You know, he's he's a fine man. 
Oh, I see what you're. Mister Brawnies. I understand. The guy with the mustache and the guy without the mustache. Those right. were like, and that you know. Oh, the lumberjack. Lumberjack. Yeah. Yeah. Lumberjack. You remember Apple Jacks? I fucking yeah. love those. I love Apple Jacks. Actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I really liked. I did like Apple Jacks, but I love the apple. It's like apple cinnamon Cheerios. Apple cinnamon Cheerios. Ooh, like, like, oh, love, uh, Cheerios. that sounds good, especially like if I was like Muslim. <laughs> Like Is that like, a kosher thing? Really? It's 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 uh it's one of those things. I'm out of my element. There's no fucking oh. that's true. It'd be really I think it's really good. I think it's I think it's, it's <laughs> I think it's called mana. <laughs> no, that's money. Oh. Mana. <laughs> mana from heaven. Mana from heaven. Yeah, it's money. Anyway, let's uh, talk about them. Well, anyway, that's well yeah, I love cereals. I love Rice Krispies, I love fruity pebbles. Mm. And mm. that's the thing, is that John Bonet. She will never get to enjoy the fra- the flavors, the fruity flavors of fruity pebbles. I mean, they haven't really done that much mm. with cereals uh, since then. But was John she Binet seemed to in more pineapples and cream? Was John Binet in all that on Nickelodeon? No, we've did this, we've done this before. She's not. She was, was not. She famous. a mouseketeer? She wasn't a mouseketeer. No, no, no. no, I, swear, no. I saw her. God damn it, Donna! Do not. What did I? What did we? Donna, look no, it up. Donna, no, she wasn't because she wasn't. Don't look it up. We've done you this told, before. You, you were confusing her with Christina Aguilera. That mm, was not correct. <laughs> but Donna, Donna, maybe it's maybe it's a it's a it's not it's not it's a it's Kathleen not. Madigan effect where they are they're multiple dimensions. Yeah, and we have I'm seen. Sorry, her. That, you're right. You're right. My bad, Donna. Can you pull up Google uh, and then pull up the one that's in the ultimate dimension? Why are you actually doing it? No, oh, no, no. Look at him, crazy land. Donna, listen Donna, to me. You need to stop. I, I feel like it's like a I'm period thing. To Google. I feel like it's a period thing, but like you being close to Teddy is making you dumb. And so, why? Because I'm. She's why? What? Are you trying to say that I'm dumb? No, my bad. Wow. Uh-huh. Why? Anywho, you know that the, there's two of us, and so that means we're more right. And I'm sorry. Though, I'm sorry. You're right. Donna, you need a total line. You're on the side of somebody who thinks that uh, if we check to the alternate dimension, uh, that we might find the answer that he's saying. I think so. I'm sorry. Do you got someone to be? You're gonna get fucking phone. No, We're almost no. done. We're almost done. Well, let's fucking finish. All right. So John is on this, you know, religious journey. He's got this new wife. Yeah. Got the book out. Yeah, but you know, they went to Michigan. I believe now he's in like Arizona and shit. No. But uh, so in that uh, same Anderson Cooper show, he has a little intimate look, and he's talking about, you know, basically dealing with, you know, would he want to know who the perpetrator is? I had a friend of mine tell me. Uh, Several years ago, I said, you know, we've been praying that God would reveal the killer for so long, and I wonder why he hasn't done that. And my friend said, well, maybe he knows you're not ready to know that yet. And do you still think you're, you're not ready? No, I'm ready now. He's ready now. He's ready now. He's ready now. And that's why, that's why we are here now, because we are going to rip the lid off the label and, and spill the tomato out, right. all the guts, all the juices, all the innards of the meat and potatoes of the Donald Sensen Rose of the greatest American murder mystery since mysteries was invented in America's. Right. And it couldn't happen before because John Ramsey, the father of John Benet Ramsey, was not ready to find to learn who the who the he killer wasn't was. Before, but now he is. Now he is. Now he is. And to us, Nick Lachey. And I think that has a lot to do with this last clip here. In regards to uh, his forgiveness, mm. forgiveness is really a gift you give yourself. You've got to release that desire, that anger, uh, and move on. And uh, you're not. It doesn't matter if the, the person you're forgiving wants to be forgiven or not. 
or even ask for forgiveness, but you've got to move on. And that concept of forgiveness is, is a way to move on. So maybe he's found some sort of inner peace in saying like, he's fine with knowing it now because he's moved on and mm. he doesn't care anymore. Or, you know, it's a thing of like, he's mm. forgiven himself for the murder. If you want to say he did it. I mean, but, there's definitely something to be said about that, that perspective on forgiveness, because it was something where it was out of their control. Yeah. Well, now, yeah, now mm. we've really like wrapping it up though. Like, so what do you think? Because my thoughts personally on it are that you know I don't think John actually killed his daughter. I I do not, I do think though you know with one hundred percent certainty that he had something to do with the cover up. Mm. I I I I kind of think he definitely has something to do with the cover up. And I definitely think that maybe there was a cover-up before the cover-up he was covering up. Um, and there's something about his set of skills, you know, and these interviews and the consistencies and things like that where, it, you know, we can see that it's like kind of, it's pretty much scripted and it's consistent for decades and it's, yeah, it's told with a certain emotion. So, and it changes. And it's always about him. Mm-hmm. That it's all, it feels very self-centered. Feels very um, um, narcissistic, mm-hmm. and um, and we also know now that he was having affairs with both of his on both with, during both of his marriages. And he was an absent father, he and, he, and he wasn't really around his kids. And that's a very different story than he'll ever portray, or perhaps he maybe ever had was ever allowed to portray either. I mean, yeah, she, because she, well, I mean, her thing was the her things. It, it worked out well the deal because I mean, just unspoken deal, I'm sure. But it was the thing where she always wanted to portray a perfect image. Mm-hmm. She had the beauty pageants. That's what she did. Mm-hmm. She also tried to say that like you know, John Bonet loved it, but it's really you. Mm-hmm. Same with the dolls. Right. So it's like she was always about the image. Ah. So it, she was completely fine with going along with that. I'm sure they had mm-hmm. an unspoken thing, and it's the same thing with him. Where it's like obviously Patsy's not going to be like complaining to people. John's never home. It's like bitch. I'm fucking Tim Allen here. She, yeah, you know? they, uh, she, I'm not. You know, you're fucking Jerry. <laughs> you know, I'm all, I'm out there getting the big bucks. Uh huh. You know. You know, and even even when we have crises of uh, of conscience or crises of faith, mm-hmm. like in that episode where Jill, you know, Tim, like uh, Randy's questioning if God exists, and oh God, um, that's right. Uh huh. Losing my religion. Losing my religion. Losing my religion. Yeah. Season seven, episode eight. Hey, it's episode eight now. Let's do that. That's oh how, shit. Yeah. Oh. And that and that and that and you know that sparks a lot of conversations about God. You know, um, Tim. Alan, uh, he seeks the help from uh, from like a reverend or somebody. It's, it's actually Dan, Dan Aykroyd from Ghostbusters. Oh my God, that's yeah. right, Danny Aykroyd. Mm-hmm, Danny Ack and uh, Ack, Ack, Ack. Before he got his ass done. Uh-huh, before the BBL, which it looks great, you know. It's just, he's always going to smell like Dumb ham. Truck. He's always going to smell like ham. Once you get over the ham smell, the, I can get a chubby. Mm-hmm. Anyway. He's like, I want a midget's, I want a midget's ass, uh-huh. but like proportional. Uh-huh. It's like he showed him, that's the picture he showed uh-huh. for his ass. Uh-huh. And and it's like you know what this guy has his own vodka company like give him the ass oh that's the one in the skull that's right uh-huh. I always see skull. it and I'm like oh and yeah. I forget that's Dan Aykroyd's the one Those, you always see in the skull the uh-huh. oh, yeah that's Dan, Dan Aykroyd that's Danny Ack which mm-hmm. is like is he good with the vodka the celebrity vodkas mm-hmm. are absolutely amazing he should I love make George Clooney he should Casamigos make, he should make cognac so reach out to us he, yeah Casamigos um, Dan Aykroyd you or should Terramon, make, make a cognac thing. and call it Cognacroyd the rock with his fucking cognac. dead eyes isn't that funny I love wait was it yeah you paying attention Bobby no what? I just you asked you I just asked you what is it what was it I don't want to know the rock's fucking tequila that shit's disgusting I was saying that Dan, Dan Aykroyd could come up with a cognac and, and call it Cognacroyd oh that'd be a good one Cognac but, like I don't think black people really like cone heads, so 
the market's getting kind of missed there. As someone who is biracial, mm-hmm. I I love the gonads. That's like saying, I love Jane let's, Curtin. Let's get, let's get I love thinking about Jane Curtin. Let's head. get Ed Sheeran to do fucking ads for Modelo. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. He looks like a fucking Muppet. So, uh, Donna. He's one of those Muppet people. Oh, my God. With the fucking Muppets. Donna. Yeah. Uh, after, yeah. you know, you were, you experienced this whole episode with us. Yeah. What are your feelings on John? You think he killed her? I, I don't think he killed her. I think that he knows how she died. I like and that, I think that he helped cover it up. Absolutely. Mm. So we're on the same page here, Teddy? What do you think? I mean, I think we're close to the same page. Each piece of the puzzle, you know, he uh, just had a thing to come mm. back from. Well, he's everything. CEO, you know, ran for office at one point. He I definitely don't think he doesn't know nothing. You know what I mean? For fucking sure. And that's the issue. Yeah. It's like all you had to do is literally just be telling the truth, but you don't even tell the truth. You don't even tell the same truth. It's a liar. And we put it all together. Bobby, you found something alive in these main clips. And and put them all in this place together and is Donna unprecedented. A, and Donna did a great job playing them. And Donna, you did a serviceable job being there, clicking the finger hey, button. Uh huh. And so, and I did an amazing job. You did so good, Teddy. At being the most amazing analysis, Bob Hopkins, Hopkins type uh, type of person. Only asked for food two times. I only asked for food two times, and you know, I only you know beat myself just a little. God damn it! I only a little. All right, we're gonna start sitting on a towel next time. Well, and well, what oh, I told you that last time that you should be putting towels underneath me. And what are we doing next time? We're gonna put a towel. No. Down. What's the next episode? Oh, the next episode is another theory episode. Which one? It is going to be the Patsy Ramsey theory. Yeah, uh, Patsy Ramsey. You excited? Because you actually listen. Patsy. Patsy. That's the mom. Yeah. That's the mom. That's the mom. I mean, mommy, there is compelling. Oh, Donna needs the backseat. Oh, Donna. All right. Now she's got opinions. Get fucking excited next week. Uh We're doing it. All right. We're going to do an outro, guys. Let's go ahead. Let's Let's go ahead and take care of it. All right. Hey, we'll do it. You start first, too, and Donna, make sure you jump in at the end there. Okay. All right. Here we go. go. go I'm Teddy Ronald Reagan, this Mechia. And I'm Bobby Pavlovsky. And this is John John Benet Benet Today. today.